Friendship isn't the big things, it's a million little things. Welcome friends, to the A Million Little TV Shows podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and I'll be delving into TV shows that I feel don't seem to get enough love. Over the course of the pod, we'll break down episodes and talk about my thoughts and feelings on the shows. Hello there, and welcome back to this A Million Little TV Shows podcast. This is now Season 3, Episode 11, and today we're going to be covering Episodes 5 to 9 of Season 1 of Hannibal. Now, this has been an incredible series so far, and as you know, I've already watched these episodes, so it certainly ramps up quite a lot. I really do love the show, how it is shot, how it is acted. The sound effects in it are incredible. The murders are always graphic, but really well done. They're really beautifully done, in a way. But I know this is going to be a long one today, so I'm just trying to get through and get into this. So, let's give a little bit of background on this show. In episodes 1-4, to we found out that Will, who is the main character, Will Graham, is an FBI profiler but also has a special ability where he can be put inside a crime scene and figure out what has happened to the victim by playing it back in his head and essentially becoming the murderer. He then puts it all together and then works with the investigation team to find out exactly who the person is who killed all these people. Generally, it is a mass murder or a serial killer of some sort. However, they are working alongside Hannibal Lecter, the renowned serial killer that we know from Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Red Dragon, and Hannibal Rising, as well as Manhunt, if you've ever seen Manhunt. And so we know about what's been going on with Hannibal, because they show clips throughout the episodes of what Hannibal's been up to, and who he's been murdering, and how he's been doing these things. But none of Jack Crawford's team, who is the behavioural science FBI agent, or Alana Bloom, who is the psychiatrist who works with the team, or indeed Will Graham, know that Hannibal is a serial killer. Hannibal is the type of serial killer that doesn't do things to type. He doesn't continually do one thing. He does a multitude of different types of murders. He doesn't kill one particular person. He kills multiple people, and he's also a cannibal. So getting rid of the evidence is fairly easy for him. However, when we first meet the team, they are investigating a murder by Garrett Jacob Hobbs, and Will kills the man while on scene to rescue Abigail Hobbs, Garrett's only daughter. Jack has a suspicion that Abigail was involved in the murders, but there is no proof of this, and we need to delve into more to find out what is actually going on. During this time, we see a reporter, Freddie Lowndes, who is constantly reporting on the crimes that the FBI are investigating and generally puts herself in and amongst the scene, which is interfering with evidence and is sort of pissing off Jack. We also know that Jack has mentioned his wife on several occasions. At the end of the last four episodes, we met her. But anyway, I think that's going to be it for the intro. So I think it's just best that we get into it because, like I say, this is going to be a long one. It's five episodes we are covering. 
And as you'll know from the last episode, it ended up being an hour and 20. So hopefully we'll get through this quickly and it's not going to end up being like an hour and 40 because that is way too long. Anyway, let's get into this. I hope you're enjoying this show. Come and speak to me. Come say hi. All that good stuff. But here we go. Hannibal, season one, episodes five to nine. Episode five, Coquillas. So we start the episode and Willie's out walking in the road. Now, one thing that I haven't said is that Will seems to be getting haunted by this stag. It's it's constantly around him when he's in one of these trances where he just isn't focusing on anything or even if he's having a nightmare. But now it seems that this stag is stalking him while he's walking down this road. Eventually, police sirens are heading towards him. He blinks himself out of whatever trance he's in. It turns out that he's been sleepwalking. When they speak to him, Will doesn't know how he got where he is. And when they actually ask him where he's from, thankfully he's in the same town that he lives in. But Will has absolutely no idea what's happened. So Will goes to see Hannibal, and Hannibal suggests that maybe this is all PTSD from the fact that he shot Hobbs and emptied the clip into him. It might be that he's not got over that yet, and all Jack keeps doing is forcing him to see these horrific sights which he evidently can't deal with. And when Will tries to defend Jack, Hannibal tells Will that Jack is no saint. And he will push for what he wants and will not give a regard as to the mental state of Will at all. We then see a man at a motel. We know nothing about him other than the fact that he's wary of the people that are walking around the motel. And as he's looking at these two individuals walking towards him, he starts to see their faces as if they were on fire. Of course, from anything we know about this show, when they introduce an odd character something's about to go down so the next morning jack and his team get the call they head out to this motel and they find mr and mrs anderson not the matrix ones kneeling in the motel room that they had booked into but the scene around them is one of absolute brutality they've essentially been made into angels now if anyone has seen the tv show vikings it is very much similar to what the vikings used to do What he's done is he's skinned the back of the victims and put them on fishing wire, still attached at the shoulders, and hoisted them up into the air to create a winged effect. They're on their knees and they're also praying. And when they examine the bed, it turns out that someone stayed in that bed overnight, which makes it seem like the killer has killed these two, got into bed, and had them watch over him throughout the night as angels and this makes will believe that he is elevating his victims to a more ethereal plane to make them essentially into god's messengers so as i stated before we have met jack's wife but we've not actually had her name yet but hannibal is sitting down to dinner with the both of them and we find out the origin of her nickname now jack calls his wife bella but actually her name is phyllis The reason for this is when Jack was stationed out in Italy during his military service, he saw this woman, Phyllis. But all the men were shouting, Bella, Bella. And he claims that he wants to make her his Bella. 
And so we can see, even all these years on, how much love Jack has for his wife, and indeed how much she has for him. But we know from the last episode that there is something not right. Phyllis, or indeed Bella as I'm going to call her, actually questions Hannibal about the fact that he seems to serve a lot of meat. And although she doesn't claim to be vegan or vegetarian, she questions the methods as to how he gets the meat. And he tells her that he has a very ethical butcher, which as we know is Hannibal himself. And she seems very satisfied by this, but still doesn't seem to eat. When Hannibal actually goes over to top up her wine, he catches a whiff of her perfume. Now, Hannibal, it seems, has a very good sense of smell, which would explain why he knew Abigail was covered in blood in the previous episodes, because he probably smelt the iron. He smelt blood before, and he probably smelt that through the house and knew that she was in danger. But in this instance, as he smells her and compliments her perfume and gets the branding right, he then begins to tell a story of how, during school, he once knew that his teacher had stomach cancer before even his teacher did, because he has one of those noses where it's like a superhuman power. He managed to smell the cancer that was in this man. At this point, he's over the shoulder of Jack, and you can see that he is essentially questioning what Bella was talking about in the previous episode. So while they were in the room, the team found a hell of a lot more evidence as to who the killer was. It seems that he had a guilty stomach, because... He vomited within the room. So obviously they've taken that to the lab to find out what was in it. And while they're going through the autopsies of the victims, they find out that this man is being treated for brain tumours and seizures, which will then deduce us that maybe this man is killing and presenting the bodies in this way because he fears death and that maybe he is presenting these angels so that they can watch him overnight. So while Hannibal's in his practice, Bella goes to see him. And while she's there, she's talking to him about how much she resents Jack. He's constantly too busy and she feels that she doesn't get the attention that she's craving right now. And the reason that she's craving attention right now is there is something clearly not right with her. She seems very off and doesn't want to and doesn't want to divulge exactly what is wrong with her. It's just implied that the audience knows. And with the previous episode where she said it was too late for her to think about having children. And with Hannibal's brilliant nose, we can sort of deduce that it may be cancer. Especially since Hannibal has already talked about it. And it is later that it is confirmed that she does indeed have cancer. So Will goes to see Hannibal. And he speaks to him about the case that he's currently working on. And Hannibal tells him more about what brain tumours could actually be doing to this guy's perception of the world. He tells him that maybe the brain tumours are affecting this guy so much that he's having hallucinations and can no longer separate reality from what he's seeing. But Hannibal also believes that Will is starting to get too close to things again and he knows that it isn't healthy for Will and he tells him that Jack isn't doing as he promised. He said that he would have Will's back and that he would protect him from these things. But he's not. He's not doing anything for the best interest of Will. He's just doing it to make sure that he can close out cases as quickly as possible. So after her chat with Hannibal, Bella eventually sits down with Jack. And while she's talking to him, 
he tells her that he can see that something isn't right with her, but he doesn't want to push. He wants her to come to him and tell him what is going on when the time is right for her. And it seems a sort of a test that he tells her that he knows that she isn't having an affair, but whatever this is, whatever she's going through, he will be there at all times to make sure that she knows she's cared for and loved. And when the time is right, she will talk to him about whatever this is. The next time we see Jack, he's out in the field with the guys again. It seems that there has been another body discovered, but this time it's a lot more brazen than it was before. It seems that this guy has strung up a security guard from scaffolding in the same manner that he killed the other victims. So he has been skinned and he's been turned into an angel. But it seems that this time, the very big difference between the two scenes is the killer has castrated himself and has left his genitals at the scene. And when this behaviour is questioned by Jack, Will tells him that maybe he is making himself into an angel. Maybe he has accepted his fate and knows that he's going to die. And therefore, he's done this to make himself an angel, which... Will tells them that angels don't have genitals, like Ken dolls. But while he's trying to figure out what the hell is going on, Jack is bombarding him with questions about why all of a sudden this guy has changed his attitude towards death. And Will has no real answers for him. He hasn't had time to look at the evidence. He's literally looking at it with fresh eyes, just as Jack is. And Jack tells him that it's not good enough. And Will blows up at him a little bit and tells him that if he doesn't think that his analysis is good enough, then maybe he should come up with his own goddamn theories. And it's at this point you see Jack physically get bigger. Like, Lawrence Fishbourne is a big fucking bloke, but you see him physically get bigger. It's weird. And he goes from this rough-looking FBI detective to all of a sudden just this mountain of a man as he goes, I didn't hear that. And you just see everything in his voice and his face change as he is about to kick Will's ass, essentially. He does it verbally. He gives him a fucking good scene too, but yeah, it's it's an incredible talent to see it happen right in front of your eyes. But eventually Will apologises and just goes to manage the scene and do the work that he usually does. But you can see that now Hannibal is starting to get inside Will's head and maybe starting to stoke some division between he and Jack. It's all a mind game to Hannibal and he's playing it just like a chess player, always several moves ahead. It's now we find out that the angel maker as they are coining him actually picks out his victims. As we saw with the couple and, indeed, with the security guard, the faces were on fire whenever the angel maker saw them. And so it seems very odd as to why he picked these victims. But then we find out that the Andersons weren't actually called the Andersons. They were a couple on the run from the law and they had been killing a lot of people in and around the area, going motel to motel. And not only that, the security guard was also someone who had killed. He won't see himself as a killer. He sees himself as a vigilante. So we end up seeing another instance of Will in this sleepwalking, dreamlike state 
he's really not doing well at the minute. And all we hear in the background is the dogs barking. But as the camera zooms out from Will's face, we find that the dogs are barking out the window because Will is on the roof of his house, or the roof of his porch in this case. And he's quite close to the edge. A fall like that's not going to kill him, but certainly going to do some damage. And especially if he's sleepwalking, he's not going to be able to brace himself. He's just going to fall. So things aren't looking good for Will right now. And with everything that's going on, we can't imagine that things are going to get too much better in the near future. So finally, they managed to track down who the actual angel maker is. And it seems like it's a man who went missing a while back. And when they bring his wife in to talk about what's gone on, she tells them that she was worried about him for a long time and things started to get dark. And then one day he just disappeared. And it's here that while she's talking about the incidents with her husband and this brain tumour that he's got, Jack starts to think about his wife and begins to realise that her attitude has changed in this very same way. That, yeah, she's probably not going to be a killer, but something's changed within her, as if she is accepting death. And then he realises that maybe his wife has cancer, and maybe that's what Hannibal was alluding to previously. And, And maybe that's why she isn't interested in having children. And maybe she can't speak the name of it because she doesn't want it to be real. The wife also tells them of a near-death experience that her husband had when he was a kid. And it turns out that he'd actually been caught up in a fire. And the fire was so bad that when he actually ended up getting saved, people in the hospital told him that it was as if he had a guardian angel. So Will and Jack understand that maybe that is where they need to start the investigation. They head out to this old farm and they find the barn that the accident happened in. But inside it's already too late. The angel killer has taken his last victim and it's himself. He has, in effect, turned himself into an angel. Looking like the same technique as what he used on others. And it's here because of what Will is now looking at. He's seen this tableau three times now where a man is strung up by the skin of his back or a woman in the other case and it's worrying him it's really starting to worry will he feels like he can't do this anymore he feels like he just can't keep seeing this it isn't good for him and jack tells him that it'll be too hard on will if he ends up going back to the classroom and he can see things in the evidence that he's teaching about but not being able to solve these crimes or be able to be on the scene to help. It'll crush it'll crush Will, because Jack knows that Will wants to help people, but Will tells him that he's willing to quit. This isn't doing him any good right now. We then see that Will ends up having another vision, but this time it's in the daytime, literally seconds after Jack leaves the barn, and it's as if the angel maker has got down from his perch and is on the ground next to Will and he tells him that he knows exactly who he is but then as Will snaps out of it obviously the body is strung up as it was previously so this is really starting to get to Will now that he's even seen visions where before he wouldn't so now that Jack knows that there's something going on with his wife he goes home to speak to her and when he speaks to Bella he asks about the cancer and she tells him that it's stage four and we know there's no stage five. 
And when Jack suggests that they'll do everything that they can to get rid of this, she tells him that she is unsure about having chemo. And Jack tells her that he'll do exactly what she wants, but they'll get through this, they'll fight this together, whatever it is, and whatever decision is made. And so, going back to A Million Little Things, it's very similar to the Maggie and Gary storyline from season one, that one of them will have to battle to try and save the other one. And it seems that the other one doesn't want saving right now. Episode six, Entree. So we start the episode inside the walls of a maximum security facility for the criminally insane. And we find patient Abel Gideon, played by Eddie Izzard, who is laid out in the middle of his cell. The police walk in, and this is obviously a highly dangerous criminal. So they are taking all precautions. They are trying to get him to respond. They're obviously edging towards him, and then they manage to see that he's not going to get up. They pick him up, and they take him to the medical bay. But while he's in there being treated, the nurse turns her back, and all of a sudden, when she turns back, of course, he's stood behind her. So due to the nature of the crime, Will and Jack go out to see Dr. Chilton, played by Raul Esperanza, who is the head of the facility. And while they're talking, he seems very intrigued by Will. It's as if he wants to start studying Will. But obviously Will just wants to get on with what's going on, so Will asks Dr. Chilton to show him where the body is. Dr. Chilton takes them to see the crime scene, and while they're on the way, he tells Will and Jack that he thinks that actually Gideon is the famed Chesapeake Ripper, which is a name that gets dotted around about the episodes, but we have no context for up until now. But he believes that he is the Chesapeake Ripper because of the way that he has displayed the victim. But as Will is running through the scene, it really starts to take a toll on him. And once he snaps out of it, you can see the tears in his eyes. This is really starting to affect him now. He then asks how long it's been since the Chesapeake Ripper last killed. And Jack answers, two years. And he asks how long has Abel Gideon been inside. And the answer's the same. So it seems at the minute that all roads are leading to Rome. And then we go to a few years earlier, where Jack, who is speaking to one of the recruits of the FBI, Miriam Lass, played by Anna Klomsky. And we see that Jack is trying to recruit her onto this Ripper case. And throughout the episode, we keep getting these flashbacks from Jack and keeps remembering times when he spoke to Miriam regarding this case. As we start to break down Gideon's character, we find out that he actually murdered his wife. But according to records, it was as if he butchered his wife, which will equates to not adding up to the way that the Ripper operates. The Ripper is very methodical and tends to take time over the way that he does things. And so sporadically murdering his wife just doesn't seem right to Will somehow. But again, Chilton is determined. It's as if he wants it to be that way. It was Chilton who got the confession out of Gideon. And so it seems that he's running with this thing as much as possible. So both Will and Alana separately interview Gideon to find out if he is the Chesapeake Ripper. But as they go through, even though he's confessing that he is and giving some detail, neither are convinced that he actually has done these murders. Jack goes to see Hannibal to talk to him about what's been going on with Bella. The thing that I didn't mention in the last episode was that Jack found Bella at Hannibal's office when he was about to confront her about her cancer diagnosis. 
And so he knows that Hannibal already knows about this. And of course, as we discussed, Hannibal has a great sense of smell and therefore, potentially, Jack put two and two together after the fact and realised that Hannibal probably knew as well. But he tells him that he fears losing Bella due to her not wanting to get treatment. And it's here that Hannibal sees Jack has lost someone before, but he can't quite put his finger on who. So while they're analysing the scene, it seems that the nurse actually has ended up with identical wounds to one of the Chesapeake Ripper's victims. And this was the second to last victim, to which Jack claims that the final victim was never found. And it seems that the final victim was actually Miriam Lass. So as Hannibal noted before, Jack has lost someone, and it seemed to be the girl that he recruited and sent after this killer. So that night, while Jack's in bed, he receives a call, and at the other end of the phone is a familiar voice to him that he hasn't heard in several years. It's Miriam Lass, and she's begging for help. She's begging Jack to come save her. But before he can get any answers as to where she is, the phone cuts out. They try and trace any and all numbers that came into the house that particular night, and there were not. They try every different phone company and nothing. Don't forget, this is the FBI, so they should be able to get hold of who rang. And the only way that they wouldn't be able to find out is if someone rang from a local box. So it's at this point that Jack is unsure whether Miriam is even alive or not, but he's determined that she died two years earlier when he sent her out into the field. But Will determines that if this is the case, that this was the Ripper who was doing this call, then it can't be Gideon. Gideon is locked away right now in a very similar cell to what Hannibal Lecter ends up in. So there is no way that this is Gideon. So Jack comes up with an idea to try and bait out the actual Ripper, knowing that this guy is still at large. So he and Will speak to Freddie Lowndes, and they get her to write a story about Gideon claiming to be the Ripper, and not only is he claiming it, but they have proof, and that essentially this guy is the Ripper. And knowing that the Ripper is out there, hopefully this will be enough to bring him out of hiding, wherever he is. So when Jack goes to see Gideon, Gideon lets slip some information about Miriam Lass, which Jack never actually provokes him with. He just comes out with it and tells him that his final victim was Miriam Lass, and yes, he killed her. And when Jack tells him that he knows it wasn't him because he didn't display her in the same way that he did his other victims, Gideon tells him, didn't I? Now while Jack's at the facility speaking to Gideon, he gets a call on his cell phone, and it's the Ripper, or at least it's Miriam Lasser's voice. And again, she's calling for Jack and wanting to get out, and she doesn't know where she is, and she just wants someone to come save her. The problem being is that she's rung from Jack's house. And so Jack heads home, and when he gets there, he's got his team with him, hoping that his wife is okay, but thankfully she wasn't home. And when he gets back into the house... He gets his team looking at all the evidence. They find fingerprints of Miriam Lass on his phone and they find a hair of Miriam Lass in his bed. So now he's just planting evidence to fuck with Jack. So as we know now, they're getting quite commonplace. Every episode so far has, think, had a dinner scene. And in this one, we get one between Alana, Dr. Chilton and Hannibal. Hannibal has obviously cooked and... They are sat down to eat, and while they are 
Alana is questioning Dr. Chilton about Abel Gideon and whether he is the Chesapeake Ripper. She believes that he isn't, and she believes that, for whatever reason, Abel Gideon has been coerced by Dr. Chilton into lying about being the Ripper. But of course, Dr. Chilton denies all this. But due to the tense conversation between the two of them, Hannibal takes Dr. Chilton into the kitchen to help him dig up the dessert. But while he's in there, Hannibal tells Chilton that just because Alana doesn't believe in psychic driving when it comes to patients, Hannibal is a little more lenient towards the practice. And that if Chilton did use it, he'd be much more forgiving. Jack ends up receiving another call from Miriam. But this time, instead of having no number or being from Jack's house, they actually leave a number this time. And so they manage to track it and they manage to find out where it's coming from. So Jack and the team head out to an observatory on the edge of town. And when they get there, they're waiting for Will. And when Will turns up, they head inside. Jack calls the number and he keeps it ringing until they find the evidence that they require. Of course, Jack at this point is hopeful that maybe it could be Miriam Lass, but of course he'd much prefer to find the killer right now because he thinks that Miriam Lass is dead. Instead, what he finds is an arm severed at the elbow and clutching the ringing phone with a note that just says, what do you see? And what we see is what finally happened to Miriam. On the last day that Miriam was seen, she knocked on a very familiar door. Hannibal answered and she walked in talking about when Hannibal used to be a ER surgeon and a patient that and a patient that he once had. Now Hannibal tells her that he has extensive written records from those days, but he doesn't remember the specific case. So he'll just head off and find the record for her. As he does, she just starts to look around. She's an FBI agent after all, and looking and seeing things is what they do. And as she's looking, she finds a very familiar drawing. And the reason that it's so familiar is because it's how the previous victim of the Chesapeake Ripper was displayed. And all the time that she's looking, we can see Hannibal creeping closer and closer. And to ensure that she doesn't find anything more, he takes her out. Episode 7, Sorbet. So while Will is giving a lecture to his students, we actually find out some important information about this killer, the Ripper. And it seems that what he's been doing is, every now and again, he'd go out there and he'd kill in threes. And this kept happening up until the point when Miriam Lass found him. And now, as we know, it was Hannibal Lecter. And of course, Miriam was taken. So speaking of Hannibal, while he's at the opera, he gets confronted by an associate of his who claims that Hannibal used to cook for them all the time and he'd always have these lavish parties. But as of recent, he hasn't done that for them, which obviously ties into the other narrative. And so she requests that at some point he does this. He has another big dinner party. It's here that we meet Franklin one of Lecter's patients, played by Dan Fogler. And the interesting thing about both Dan Fogler and Mads Mikkelsen is they both, many years later, ended up in the Harry Potter franchise in Fantastic Beasts. But as they continue to talk, Franklin introduces him to his friend Tobias. And it seems that although Franklin is just a patient to Hannibal, he seems to look up to him quite a lot. 
So Jack ends up getting a call, and it's about a body that's been found. And as it's been described to Jack, he instantly thinks that this is potential. This could be the Ripper. He could be starting up again. And so they head out to the scene, and by they, I mean Jack and Will. And as they're on their way, Jack tells Will that if this is the Ripper, they need to think fast and move even faster. Because this guy doesn't fuck around. He will turn up, he will kill three times, and he will be gone. So they need to step this up as soon as they can and get this right. When they get there, they find a body in a bathtub. It's sat up and has bled out profusely. But seems to have some organs removed, but also they've been replaced. Very similar to the way Garrett Jacob Hobbs did with his final victim. But when they look at the body, they find that there is a gaping hole in the side of him. And when Will has the team step out to actually try and think about what's happened, it comes to him that this person wasn't killing them. He was trying to save their life. It seems that their heart has stopped and that this person has reached in through this hole and is trying to massage the heart back to life. So Will believes that this isn't the killer that Jack wants. This is just some this is just some back alley medical student that has fucked up. They've tried to do surgery on this person and messed it up and now they're trying to help. Potentially it could be some sort of organ harvesting, but this is not the man that they've been looking for. The next time we see Franklin, he's gone to see Hannibal, and it's during his regular scheduled time. And when he gets there, he speaks to Hannibal about seeing him at the opera and, and seeing him out and about, wondering what Hannibal is like and, and who he is heading out with and all these things that, as your therapist, you shouldn't really be thinking about. Of course they have a life, but that life is separate to what you are in their life. And Franklin just doesn't seem to be grasping that. And he tells Hannibal that he thinks that they have a lot in common and that maybe they could be friends. But of course Hannibal reiterates... I'm your therapist. That's all I'll be. He is a source of stability in Franklin's life, not friendship. Hannibal then goes to see his own therapist, Dr. Bedelia de Maurier, who is played by the incredible Gillian Anderson. And while he's there, he's talking to her and she tells him that she knows what he is. He's not a typical person. He's different. He tells her that he thinks that he gives her everything and shows her his true self, but she tells him that you don't show me your true self. You show me the version of you that you choose. And essentially that Hannibal is someone who's just playing himself while in a person suit. So essentially, whatever monster is underneath, he is hiding from everyone, including his therapist. So Will goes to see Hannibal, and while he's there and he's talking about the scene that happened, Hannibal wants to talk about seeing the article that Freddie Lowndes has written, and what it really is about, because it seems to have piqued his interest. But of course, this is just a fake article to try and draw the Ripper out, and maybe that's what Hannibal is sniffing around for. Is this just a trap? But while he's talking to Will about the case... It's here that we actually find out that potentially this could be organ trafficking because of the amount that an organ could get on the black market. Now, throughout this episode, we start to see Hannibal back in action, so to speak. And it's really interesting. So at one point when Hannibal is talking to someone, he asks for their business card. And what he's doing is he puts these business cards in a Rolodex and then 
he'll just pick out a name and then he'll go through his recipe book and he'll pick out a recipe and then that's what that victim is going to become. So he knows exactly what he has to remove or harvest from the body. And then he comes back to his house with that and prepares the meal that is on the card. I can't remember how many times you see it in the series, but you see it in this episode for the first time. And it is such a clever prop, like bravo to the props department, because it is fantastic. It really is clever. And he's we see it crop up a few times and it's just such a clever device to use. It really makes me think about the detail that they went into. So this time Hannibal picks out a meal to do with the heart and he goes after the guy that we saw earlier in the clip, hunts him down at night, takes him out and then the next day, of course, we see Hannibal cooking and he's preparing the heart and right there in front of him is Alana Bloom. Hannibal is preparing for a dinner party and his sous chef is Alana and he's just brazen about it. He's literally preparing this heart and, of course, she just thinks it's from an animal. In a way, it is. And like I say, we then see the Rolodex really come into play as we see Hannibal start to restock his fridge. And, of course, as we know from before, the Chesapeake Ripper generally kills three times and then you don't see him for a while. And now Will, Jack and the team are all thinking that it's this person. This person that's tried to save this man's life is actually organ harvesting. So it just makes things easier for Hannibal. He can kill these people, make it look like an organ harvesting, and then disappear for a while. They'll probably catch the person who did it to the initial victim. And then they've got four other victims to pin on him all at the same time. So after his time with Alana, Hannibal goes back to work. He's sat in his office and he's waiting for Will to turn up for his appointment towards the end of the day. But there is no Will. Hannibal heads out and he tries to go and find him. And when he gets to the FBI headquarters where Will teaches, he walks in. He finds Will asleep in the lecture hall. When he speaks to Will, Will tells him that he's not been sleeping very well and he's really trying not to because he's been having bad dreams. But while he's been in the lecture hall, before he fell asleep, he was going over the victims of the Ripper. And Will believes that, unlike Garrett Jacob Hobbs, whoever this Chesapeake Ripper is, he is basically killing just to humiliate the bodies. He doesn't care about taking care of the bodies and doing what is necessary, doing what is right by them. Honouring the kill, as Hobbes put it. He isn't doing any of that. He's displaying them. He's brazen about what he's been doing. Because it's three kills and he's done for a while. And for the last time, it's been two years since the Ripper struck that we can assume. And so Hannibal starts looking at the photos as well. And at that point, he pulls out a picture and says, what's this doing here? And it's the picture of Miriam's arm. And when Hannibal states, well, it doesn't look humiliating. Will tells him, yeah, but it wasn't Miriam he was trying to humiliate. It was Jack. And when Hannibal asks, did they succeed in embarrassing Jack? Will tells him, yeah, they did. To which Hannibal seems to take a small delight in. So the team end up finding some footage of an ambulance driver being at the scene of the initial murder and then scurrying away before everyone else can arrive and they note it as weird behavior 
And when they actually look into the work log of this particular vehicle, they find out that it shouldn't have even been on the road. They head over to the EMTs and start talking to them about what's been going on. And they go to find the truck that is referenced and it's not there. They check the last person that logged it out and that person's also not there. Thankfully, with onboard tracking, they manage to find out where it is. They head out and they find it. And when they open the door, they find the EMT inside. Jack tells him to get his hands up. He tells him, I can't. His hands are covered in blood and he is wrist deep in this person. And he says, if I remove my hands, this person will die. Thankfully for Jack, Hannibal is with them. He calls Hannibal over and tells him to take over and see if he can save this man's life. Of course, Hannibal used to be an ER surgeon, so he steps in. And while he does, Will looks on with admiration. Later on, when Hannibal is getting ready for his party, Will is stood in his kitchen and he's talking to him about why he quit ER surgery. And Hannibal tells him that he once lost a patient and it was just something that he didn't want to do anymore. And so instead of fixing the body, he decided to fix the mind. But maybe subconsciously Will noted that Hannibal was quite adept at doing what he did. He jumped in there without any trepidation. And after years of being a therapist, I can't imagine jumping straight back into surgery would be so easy. Unless you knew a lot about it. But of course right now, Hannibal is having his dinner party. And he's serving his latest victims to his guests. Episode 8, Fromage. So while Will's at home, he's continuing to have sensory issues. So not only is he seeing things, but now potentially he's hearing things. Outside he hears a dog howling, and as we know, Will has several dogs. So he heads out to try and find the wounded animal. But when he goes outside, he can't see it. And so... He scrambles around, looks around, but there's nothing. So now he may be starting to think that he's losing it a little bit. So Tobias, Franklin's friend, who is Hannibal's patient, we find out is actually a music teacher. And he seems to have a specialism when it comes to stringed instruments. And while he's teaching his student, the student asks, are they really made of cat cuts? And Tobias answers, well, not always. And it's here that we see Tobias extracting the lower intestines from a victim and treating them so that they can become strings on instruments. Which, when you look at the actual victim on the table, they do look rather young. And he's teaching a child at that point, so it's a bit worrying that this guy might be a child killer. But when we have seen Tobias in the past, it was only briefly when he met Hannibal but he had a curiosity about him for some reason. And now that we see that this guy's a serial killer as well, things are about to get interesting. So the next morning, Alana comes over to see Will. He's telling her about the animal that he heard the previous night. And so she decides to go out with him for a walk to try and help him. But when he gets out there, as far as he can go, he isn't finding any tracks. And now he's really starting to question what he's seeing and what he's hearing. So now that we know that Tobias is actually a killer, it's not gone unnoticed by Franklin. Franklin goes to see Hannibal for his usual session. And as he's talking to him, he's trying to talk to him about Tobias and asking Hannibal to assess Tobias. But Hannibal tells him that 
he can't assess someone who isn't in front of him. He can only assess the perception of who that person is. So everything that Franklin is describing, it's pricking Hannibal's ears up, but he has to show that he's unaffected by it, that it is just Franklin's opinion on his friend. It's then we see possibly one of the most inventive murders I've ever seen on screen. And I've seen a lot of, well, I've seen every episode of this show. I've seen a lot of Dexter. I have seen every episode of CSI. And there are plenty in there that are fascinating. But this, I think it takes the biscuit. So in the middle of a stage with a spotlight on them, there is a man sat in a chair, his head tilted back, and the neck of a cello forced into his throat through his mouth. And his throat is open, revealing the vocal cords, which are against the neck of the cello, as if they are to play him as a human instrument. That's a fucking sentence I never thought I'd say. And if I've articulated it as well as they did it on stage, congrats me. But fuck, it is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen, but also one of the most intriguing. So, of course, a bizarre crime, they've got to call in the FBI, and they have to have Will Graham on the scene. So while Will's there, it seems that he is looking a little bit more easy at these vile crimes that are happening around them. And when Jack calls him out on it, he tells him that he doesn't really have a choice, and that Jack may think it's getting easier, but this is still as hard for Will. And then we end up seeing Will take out a bottle of pills and take one. So it may be getting easier, but it seems that Will is now medicating himself. And while Will is looking at this scene through his ability, he manages to start seeing Garrett Jacob Hobbs again, just sat out where the crowd would normally be, watching and clapping along, still with that dead, pale expression and blood all over his shirt. So now, obviously, we've got Will still seeing things and now hearing things. Hannibal goes to visit his therapist, Bedelia, and while he's there, he begins to tell her about what's been going on with Franklin because he feels that Franklin is starting to become a little bit obsessive with him. It seems that Franklin has turned up in several different places now where Hannibal has been and has stayed in the shadows out of the view of Hannibal apart from the one time at the opera in the last episode. But he also keeps telling Hannibal that he wants to be friends with him, and that also he's not becoming obsessed with him at all. But Hannibal seems reluctant to talk to Bedelia about this, and it seems that it's the first time that we see Hannibal sort of sparing someone from what would be past trauma in this case. Bedelia has had a past where, because she's a therapist... People have got close to her, and in a similar way to Hannibal, people have become obsessed with her, and you see this all the time. There's a series that I want to cover, I'm not sure how I'm going to, because it's vast, but it's called In Treatment, and one of the things that you see in In Treatment with Gabriel Byrne is that his patient becomes obsessed with him and talks about being in love with him, and it's because they share this bond. The doctor or the counsellor will always try and keep that separation between the two of them. But because you are so vulnerable in that situation where you are talking to someone, you feel like they are your friend or you feel 
that they are someone that cares about you or indeed may feel something for you. And I'm not saying that they don't care. Of course, they care about their patients, but you're their patient. You wouldn't go to your GP, or at least I hope you wouldn't. And when they try and assess you, you declare your love for them. Now, obviously, that is a very different situation in the fact that you are sat and talking about life, talking about loves, talking about past relationships, talking about family, etc., etc., etc. But just because you are doing that, They are there as a professional, and generally you shouldn't be falling in love with them. But of course, back to Bedelia, she's had this, and it ended up getting violent, and we're not sure how that ended. We can imagine Bedelia's still alive, so either the perp is in jail or he's not around anymore, and I'm sure we find out what actually happened throughout the season, but for now, we just know that this person went away after their obsession. But in the process, Bedelia was attacked. So Will starts to analyse the scene and what he's actually seeing is that this isn't the first time this person has killed. But he feels that it is the first time that they have killed in this way. It's as if they presented someone with this offering. As if they brought them up on stage to play them a ballad. It's as if they were showing off to someone. Which is exactly what Hannibal tells him when Will goes to see him. Hannibal tells him that it seems like a performance. It seems like it was intended for someone. And so maybe it was another killer. Maybe this person is trying to impress someone else. We later see that Franklin has another session with Hannibal. And as he does, he tells him that he thinks Tobias has done this awful crime. While he's talking to Hannibal, he tells him that it's odd because Franklin has read about what's gone on. And... Days earlier, Tobias has told him that he wanted to open up a man's throat and play him like an instrument. So, of course, Tobias has seen this gruesome crime. And, I mean, who says that other than probably the killer? But Franklin realises that there's only one person that Franklin would tell about this, and that is Hannibal. But Franklin never questions why he would tell him this. So it seems that Tobias has left this performance for Hannibal. So Hannibal, who's never shy about any of this, goes to see Tobias. And while he's there, they are chatting away, and it's almost flirtation. The way that they're acting and the way that they're talking to each other, you could see that there was a tension between them, that they wanted each other to know what was going on, even though... Hannibal is obviously massively suspectful of Tobias, but we don't know what Tobias knows about Hannibal. Over at Will's house, he's having another issue. While he's in the house, he starts hearing noises, and he feels like they're coming from the chimney breast. It sounds like a another animal stuck up there. And so he goes over, so instead of, I don't know, looking up the chimney, he decides that he's going to put a hole in his wall. And as he does, there's nothing. He claims it could be a raccoon that got stuck or was just in there out of the elements. And as soon as he started making noise, it just took off out of the chimney. So when Alana comes over and sees the hole in the wall, she's starting to feel a little bit alarmed by this. But throughout these episodes, her and Will have been getting close. And at the start, when Jack talks to Alana and we see her tell him that she doesn't want to be the one that assesses Will, we feel that there's something there, there's a tension. 
and we're not sure if Alana has a thing for Will, and even vice versa. But here it's confirmed when they get too close and end up kissing. But when they eventually stop after a moment or two, Alana backs away and says that they shouldn't do anything, that she's sorry for all of this, and this is going to be too hard for her because she knows what Will is, and Will knows what she is. She's tenacious, and she will analyse him if they get together. She can't help herself. It is her job, and she doesn't want to start a relationship knowing the fact that she will assess her own boyfriend. And so she tells him that nothing can happen again, and she leaves. Because Hannibal wants to get to know Tobias a bit better, probably in a more professional sense, before more than likely the inevitable, he invites him over, and they sit down and have dinner together. Of course, Hannibal has to have dinner with someone. And as they do, they get to talk about the instrument. And he asks Tobias whether it was him. Tobias all but admits it by telling Hannibal, well, you got my message from Franklin, didn't you? And so Hannibal is now concerned because the FBI are obviously investigating. And Tobias tells him, you don't need to be concerned. I'll kill anyone that comes near me. I'll kill anyone that investigates me. And then I'll kill Franklin and then I'll disappear. He also tells Lecter that he would have killed him too. However, one night he followed Hannibal. And when he saw what Hannibal really was, he began to admire him. He saw Hannibal kill and he saw him kill efficiently. And he was impressed. And so it's here that, much like Franklin, he thought that maybe he and Hannibal could be friends. But Hannibal tells him that that won't work because when they catch you, and they will, you'll point to me. And I can't have that. Hannibal tells him that you weren't the only one who was going to kill out of the two of us. Because I was going to kill you too. But before any conclusion can happen, Will turns up. Hannibal goes to the door to see Will, and Will is in a state. He tells him about everything that's gone on with him and Alana, and he's unsure of what to do. It's here that Will walks in and sees that Hannibal had a guest, but apparently the guest had to go, and has ran out of the back door. Will also confesses that he is still seeing and hearing things. For instance, for instance, Garrett Jacob Hobbs at the scene of the crime. But while Will is trying to get some answers as to why things are happening the way that they are. Hannibal tells him that he has had another patient who is interesting. He tells him that his patient Franklin thinks that his friend Tobias is a killer and is the killer that they are currently looking for. So while Will is trying to get his head around what's happened, not only with his own psyche but with Alana and now the potential to find this guy, He heads out and heads to the music shop that Tobias owns. Hannibal, however, goes and sees Bedelia. And while he's there, he confesses that he wants something that he's never wanted before. He finally wants friendship, which is a massive step for him. And he tells her it's with one of his patients. Someone who is equally as intelligent as he is, and someone that he admires. And she answers it herself. Is it Will Graham? And he tells her yes. Will at this point is speeding towards the scene of the crime. And when he gets there, as he goes to talk to Tobias, Tobias basically taunts him and hands him the so-called catgut strings. Tells him that he makes them himself. But Will gets another attack and he hears a dog outside in pain again. He heads out 
and he's in the middle of the street just looking up and down, but he can't see a thing in this very busy street where if something like that was going on, surely someone would stop. And so so once he gathers his senses and walks back into the music shop, the two policemen that he came with are no longer there. He walks through and finds one in a pool of his own blood, bludgeoned to death already. He then hears noises coming from the basement as he goes down, gun drawn. He finds the second officer face down with what looks like cheese wire, but probably is guitar strings all over his face, as if he's been griddled by them, but also face down in a sink full of water. As Will goes to check on the second police officer, Tobias comes up behind him and tries to do exactly the same thing, but this time just garrot Will. Will manages to get his hand in between the strings, and he also has his gun drawn, and as he does, he just takes the shot. The shot blows off part of Tobias's ear, and he flees the scene, while Will is pot-shotting wildly at him due to near-deafness, because he's just shot right next to his ear. Tobias heads over to Hannibal. He knows what's happened, and he goes over to kill him. But when he gets there, Franklin is already there. Franklin sees that Tobias has half an ear missing, and tries to comfort him, tries to talk him down off the edge. But as he does, Hannibal steps up behind him and just snaps Franklin's neck. And then it happens. There is an epic fight scene between the two of them, and you get to see what kind of things Hannibal can do. You get to see the strength and the power of this guy. It's quite chilling. You can understand how he is the way that he is. It's fucking cool, ass. Eventually, he takes Tobias down and smashes him over the head with a statue of a stag, oddly enough, that looks like the same stag which is haunting Will's dreams. He then tips over a table, sits down at his desk and calls the police. And of course, they come straight over. They take Hannibal's statement, and Will also questions what the hell happened. But of course, the person that attacked Hannibal wasn't in the right state of mind, and Hannibal tells him that he came to attack Franklin. He knew Franklin must have had a session and came over to kill him, and succeeded in that. But because I was here, he tried to take me out too, but I'm not an easy pushover. One last time, Hannibal goes to see Bedelia, and it seems that a few weeks has passed now, and Hannibal hasn't had any patients to see. One of them is dead, one of them is Will, but he hasn't seen anyone for weeks. But he tells her that he thinks now he's ready. Episode 9, Tronement. Again, I am not French, but I listened to that and I was like, I am going to have to try and pronounce this now. So that is my best effort. I apologise to France, French Canadians, anyone associated with France, anyone outside of England and some people in England. Anyway... So Will turns up on a beach, and while he gets there, Jack and his team have already started doing the investigation. And where I said in the last episode that it was the most impressive murder scene I'd probably ever seen, this is the most memorable one I've probably ever seen. When Will gets there, the scene is the beach is full of holes where someone has dug up bodies that have been down there for a good long time, and they are in a tower like a totem pole, and it seems that the latest victim is on top. And this is a fairly fresh kill. 
So Will breaks down the scene as always, and while he does, we see it. We see that the final victim was killed on sight. And while Will looks up at this human structure, I suppose is the only way to put it, all of a sudden a blood drop falls down onto his face. And as he closes his eyes to flick it away, as one might when a drop of rain falls on your face and you just flick it as if you weren't expecting it, Will wakes up and he's at Hannibal's and he's as confused as Hannibal is. Hannibal wasn't expecting him and Will doesn't know how the hell he got there. And as Hannibal tries to understand what's going on, he tells him that, well, we know how you got here, you drove. And the scene is three hours away from where I am. So you've been on the road for three hours and you have no recollection of being there. So Hannibal starts to believe that Will is now disassociating himself from all the horror that he's seen throughout these scenes and tells him that due to the trauma that he is suffering while looking at these scenes it is effectively mental abuse. And when they talk about why Will didn't quit when he had the chance, he tells Hannibal that he can't quit. He got into this to help people. And that's what he's been doing. But it is taxing on his mental health. Will is also worried because he's been sleepwalking. He's had hallucinations where he has either been seeing things or he's been hearing things. And now he's blacking out and not being in his own body for three hours. He agrees that things are starting to take a toll on him. But he thinks it's something to do with him physically and not the mental exhaustion that he's feeling. And he tells Hannibal that he thinks it's time for him to have a brain scan. But Hannibal doesn't think this is necessary. And he just tells him that he needs to stop getting involved in these cases. And he needs to be able to withdraw himself from what he is seeing. But he also tells him that the way that this could be affecting him may send Will down the wrong path. And by the wrong path, he means Will may end up being a murderer. Abigail, who we haven't heard from in a few episodes, is still in the hospital. And it seems that she is obviously still having nightmares. She keeps dreaming of the girls that her father killed, but also now she is dreaming of Nicholas. Will goes to the FBI and he speaks to Jack in his office. And he tells him that he's sorry for what happened at the scene and that, you know, he shouldn't have been the way that he was. And Jack tells him that he doesn't understand what he's talking about. He was the same as always. There was no difference, which really starts to worry Will now because he doesn't understand it. Jack says you were basically your aloof self, but surely they would notice that he wasn't in his right mind. But apparently not. He acted the same and he walked out without giving any real indication that he was not good. But Jack sees it in Will. He sees that something's changed right now. And he tells him, was everything okay? But Will just says, yeah, um, I apologise. I just thought I was a bit off, but obviously I wasn't. And he just sort of brushes it off, but it's gotten Jack's attention. So Abigail meets with Freddie. And when she does, Freddie tells her that she thinks it would be a good idea if Abigail wrote a book, and more specifically that Freddie write the book and Abigail managed to tell her story. Abigail seems unsure about this, but, but Freddie claims that she just wants to tell her truth, which gives Abigail something to think about. Back at the scene, we find out that several of the bodies that were in this totem pole were robbed from graves all over West Virginia. And while Will is looking into the cause of deaths of these people, 
he claims that there's something wrong here. He feels that these people aren't accidental deaths as they are quoted to be. He feels that there's a connection. Someone killed all these people. And even though each death is different, for instance, there's a car accident, there's suicide, there's a heart attack, poisoning, and they're all over many different years and the people are from several different backgrounds and different ages. It just doesn't add up. But there is something linking them and Will needs to figure out what it is or indeed who it is. Will is doing this all while lecturing and he's stood in front of the board and he's teaching his students and then all of a sudden Alana's at the door. She asks him, I'm not interrupting anything, am I? You're not practicing. And he startles up and looks around the room and he's blacked out again. And he tells her, no, 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 just come in. And they talk about what happened the other night with the kiss. And Alana goes on to tell him that she regrets leaving the other night. It shouldn't have happened, but she regrets going and she wished she'd have stayed with him because she does have feelings for him and feels that he feels the same way. But the reason that they can't be together is he is too unstable. And so she's just not willing to risk it. At this point in time, it's just not feasible for her. Will and Hannibal go over to see Abigail. And when they get there, they're talking about this book deal and Freddie Lowndes. And they both think that it's a bad idea and that she is making herself vulnerable. She's always been the one that wanted to shy away from the press and not give interviews and not talk about any of this because she just wanted to forget about it. And now all of a sudden she wants to tell the story and they feel that with Freddie Lowndes on board and her being a tabloid journalist that this won't go well. However, this doesn't seem to change Abigail's mind at all. And she still wants to do the book. We find out something interesting about the totem pole. And that is top to bottom. It is literally a timeline. The person on the bottom of the totem pole was the first person that died. And obviously, as we know, the last victim is on the top. And Will believes that that is where the connection is. This person stopped for a reason. They'd killed all these people before, and then they stopped by announcing themselves in such a grandiose way. It wasn't going to be a case of, I'll keep killing. Now they want their story to be told. And so Will believes that from the first to the last, there's your connection. Whatever connects those two victims is what matters. The others are unfortunate collateral damage. During a quick scene, we find someone in a parka jacket digging up Nicholas Boyle from under the snow, which, of course, will alert the FBI. They are looking for this guy, and now he turns up and he's dead. So Jack gets Alana, Will, and Hannibal all together in a room and tells them that they found Nicholas Boyle. He's frozen, so they don't have a real timeline for him, which means that there is no clear way to find out where or when he died. But Jack tells the three of them that he wants Abigail to come in to ID the body because he knows something isn't right about her and he wants to prove it. He wants her to look Nicholas Boyle in the face while he's looking her in the face and prove that she didn't do anything. Of course, Alana is alarmed by this. She just can't believe the brass balls on Jack. How dare he? She's been through something so horrific with her father, and now you're getting her to look into the eyes of the man who attacked her. She genuinely cannot believe it. She tells him that she will be coming along with Abigail, 
to make sure that Abigail is okay. Jack arranges everything and Alana and Abigail show up. Abigail approaches a body. She looks at it and tells Jack, yes, that is Nicholas Boyle. And he begins to question her. He tells her that the body is gutted. Your father taught you how to gut animals. So are you involved? And she tells him that obviously she isn't and she knows nothing about this. But Jack is still sceptical of all of this. And he's also questioning why she's been leaving the hospital and where she goes at night. Has she been meeting up with Nicholas Boyle before he died? Or was he dead for a long, long time now? But she refuses to answer any of his questions. She tells him that she doesn't know where Nicholas has been and that she has no contact with him at all, or has had no contact with him since the day that he attacked her. She leaves and Alana just calls out Jack on all his shit. And when he asks her, why don't you see anything wrong with what she's done? Alana tells him, I may have reservations about Abigail, but they do not extend to Hannibal. And of course, Hannibal is the one that's backed up Abigail's story. And that makes Jack question whether he's going down the right path. Why would you question Hannibal? We know. We know why you fucking would. But why would you? So when Hannibal speaks to Abigail, he tells her that he can't trust her anymore. He knows that she dug up the body and she admits it outright. And she tells him that the reason was because she gets to control her own narrative now. What would have happened is she'd have just been waiting around for them to find the body. And then when they find the body, shit hits the fan. But now they've found the body. There isn't any thoughts of, well, maybe he could come back. He's dead and the world knows he's dead. And therefore, balls in her core. She can tell her story. She can control the narrative. But obviously, Hannibal just isn't pleased with any of this. Because now they've found the body, things may lead back to him. So eventually they find out the link between these two victims, the first and the last. Turns out that they were father and son. However, they weren't father and son by blood. It seems that the DNA of the son was different to the father's, but that maybe the father never knew or never cared. After all, as I've said in other episodes, or I'm pretty sure I have, it isn't the DNA. It shouldn't really matter what your DNA is. It's the person that raises you that is the important one. And it's through the death of the mother of the child that they are led to the actual suspect. It seems that the mother was having an affair and she ended up getting pregnant by him, which resulted in the son who ended up dying last. And so when they go and confront the killer, Jack and Will, they tell him the story of it all. That essentially, the woman that he was seeing and having the affair with for so long, that ended up getting pregnant and stayed with her husband, you killed the husband, and then many years later, you killed their son. But their son was actually yours. And so all you've done is you wanted a legacy, is... You've killed that legacy. If you hadn't done what you've done, you could have shared in the joy of being a father. And yet now you're just an old man who's going to jail. So now that Nicholas Boyle is out of the ground, Will goes to see him. And when he does, his ability kicks in, as it does with most crime scenes. And Will sees what really happened. And it seems that Will knows now that it was Abigail who killed Nicholas Boyle. So Will goes to see the one person that he knows he can trust in all of this, and it's Hannibal. And he tells him that he knows what happened with 
Abigail and he, he knows that she killed him. And Hannibal tells him that he already knows and that he gives him the full rundown. He tells him that he helped her clean up the body and that she didn't deserve to be tarred with her father's brush. It wouldn't have been fair. Only weeks after this notorious killer has been caught or indeed been killed, it turns out that his daughter has ended up gutting someone. It just wouldn't be fair. She was attacked by this guy and it got out of hand. She was defending herself and it just doesn't seem right that she should be punished. Will agrees and tells Hannibal that he's not going to say anything, but at least now he knows that he has an ally in Hannibal who already knows about this. So with all this out of the bag now, Hannibal, Will and Abigail all sit down with Freddie Lowndes and they just want to make sure that she does what she said she was going to and she writes the correct story, the one that Abigail wants to tell, Abigail's truth, which will obviously omit the fact that she killed Nicholas Boyle. Of course, at this point, they're at Hannibal's. And of course, again at this point, they're having a meal. Freddie, however, doesn't eat meat. She's a vegan. And this obviously perturbs Hannibal a little bit. He doesn't seem too happy with this situation, but got to roll with the punches. Hannibal takes Abigail into the kitchen, and while he's in there, she tells Hannibal that she thinks Will knows. And Hannibal admits that he does, and he tells her that he's not going to say anything, so there's no need to worry. We've already had this out. He understands what happened, and there is no need to go on. And then she says... Well, I hope he doesn't find out the real truth, because it seems that Abigail was, as Jack has suggested, the bait for her father. And we see that in one instance she boards a train where her father picks out his next victim. Abigail goes over and befriends that girl. She finds out schedules, where and when she is going to be places, when she is going to be alone in the house, etc., etc. Feeds this all to her father, and her father goes out and takes these girls. Hannibal tells her that she has nothing to worry about. He will keep her safe and make sure that nobody finds out her secret. Okay, so as I said in the previous episode, this is a long one, but fuck me, this is good. This is such a good show. I, my God, don't forget how good it is. I, again, I said all this in the last episode, but the sets and the victims, I mean, the one with the cello in his fucking throat is graphic, but brilliant all at the same time. And then you've got the Tower of Bodies. It is the one that sticks with me constantly. When I think about Hannibal, there are a few things I think about. I think about Mads Mikkelsen. I think about the line, this is my design. And I think about that goddamn tower and what a good episode and obviously what a shit twist for that guy he killed his own son because he didn't want to bother dealing with the mother anymore it gets better and better as the episodes go on and i genuinely remember how it ends it ends with the story of red dragon if you've seen the film or indeed read the book but i don't remember the quality dipping which is odd because then it got cancelled. And it's just, I don't understand why. I don't know why the audience didn't stick with it. I may find out. I may get to the end and go, yeah, I can see it now. But it is magnificent. 
Absolutely magnificent. I just do really hope that they bring it back for a final series or a film or something because it does need it. It does deserve it. It is beautiful. There aren't enough words for me to, as you know, I struggle at the end of these when I'm trying to describe what the hell's going on. It's generally beautiful or funny or hilarious or fucking God knows what, but it is. It's smart. It's a smart TV show, and I am so glad I'm watching it again, and I just hope that you're enjoying it as much as I am. Again, it's a fucking long episode, so I'm going to wrap it up there, I think. Obviously, the next episode is going to be Modern Love Series 2, the second part of that, and then we're going to go for the final four episodes of Hannibal Season 1, and hopefully there'll be a bit more time on that one so I can give some proper analysis I suppose but knowing me it'll just be oh it's beautiful it's fucking good so anyway thank you for sticking with me thank you for listening and I hope to speak to you soon bye well that's all for now amigos if you manage to make it to the end of my ramblings Thank you. And if you want to rate, share, subscribe, comment, it's all appreciated. Until next time.